evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. I think uh, sometimes you wonder whether you're alive in the right epoch or era. You just wonder sometimes what's going on, not because of technical issues. I was just looking at this issue of the refugees. You know, I think what we've forgotten is how to walk in somebody else's shoes. Not that I would ever ever in my wildest imagination wish that the chaos that's occurring in parts of the Middle East were replicated in Australia and we found ourselves in a similar situation where all hell had broken loose and obviously you do what you have to do in order to you, for you and your family and your friends and your relatives to survive and sometimes that means making um, choices you would never contemplate, like uh, crossing the seas in an open boat to look for refuge. And then you arrive somewhere and you're treated as some type of pariahs, as if you've got uh, some type of uh, contagious uh, disease and uh, quarantine and punished for the fact that you are fleeing persecution. And I cannot believe, well, I can, because I know my fellow Australians, how they think. Because, see, I don't just sit around and, you know, play radical. I you know, have a lot of interaction with a lot of different people, a lot of different levels around the community. And obviously, when you've got a media that basically concentrates on creating hysteria regarding multiple issues which are really not that significant but it's good to have a bit of a hysteria about you know two or three thousand you know asylum seekers and man asylum in the rue or have a little bit of hysteria regarding a crime wave that's totally out of you know out of control which when I mean, it's not but you really understand you begin to understand why people have lost the concept of empathy. I mean, these aren't real people, are they? They're just images. They don't have names. They don't have stories. They're kept away. We don't listen to them. We marginalise them. They burn themselves to death. We just shrug our shoulders. And the list goes on and on. Incredible situation we as a nation find ourselves in today. An incredible situation, just an extraordinary situation. Not the fact that 
parliament wants to pass legislation to ban asylum seekers, a man asylum in Nauru, asylum seekers who arrive by both in the future from the country forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, not just that extra- those extraordinary pieces of legislation which maintain people on Manus Island in Nauru, but the fact that so many of our fellow Australians stand up and clap in unison. I'd like to see what they would do if Daesh got a foothold in this country. I'd like to see what they would do if foreign armies came in to dislodge them. I'd like to see what they would do, you know, if their homes were being bombed, if people were being summarily executed. I would like to see what they would do. Because I am sure they would be begging the world to take them and their families as refugees, that they would line up if they had the money to pay people smugglers to get them out of the situation. I am 100% sure we would act no differently to the asylum seekers that we currently have on Manus Island and Nauru who found themselves in that situation. We would, as human beings who are trying to protect our families and friends and our own lives, that we would be lining up, lining up to get out if we could. And that's the tragedy, isn't it? That we have forgotten how to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. We have forgotten what it's like to be homeless. We have forgotten what it's like how to have limited financial resources. We have forgotten what it's like to be denigrated and humiliated every day of your life, not because of what you've done, but because of who you are. We no longer seem to have the capacity to actually equate somebody's situation with our situation and transfer ourselves into their shoes. And we're going to see more of this and more and more of this rigidity, authoritarianism, emerging fascism. Yes, and I don't usually use the word fascism on this program in this country. As the hate mongers, those who wish to divide us, gain more and more political power, whether it's Trumpy in the United States of America or whether it's uh, you know, our own Trumpies in Australia, and they're everywhere. That's the situation we find ourselves in. See, because fascism and Nazism didn't just originate out of nowhere. They originated out of people who had a political ideology and philosophy who believed very strongly that if you got rid of the other, whether it was the Jew or the communist or the homosexual or the disabled, somehow 
you would resolve all the problems of the universe. All the problems. And when we see political figures in this country get up and say, refugees not welcome in this country, no refugees, you begin to understand how that virus is infecting us as a people. I mean, I live in Melbourne. Although this is a national program, I live in Melbourne. And currently the big discussion all over the city is about African gangs pillaging the city. I mean, obviously, there are outbreaks of violence all over the city. Occasionally. There's no actual greatly increased amount of violence in the city. And obviously, if you are if you are a victim of that violence, it's real. It has a life impact on you. But the reality is that if you blow up that debate and actually focus on a particular group, that what you do is you create that climate of intolerance that we are seeing, which is ripping apart our community. It is ripping us apart. And when I sit down with who I, people I've known for many years who I think are logical, logical, rational, humane people, and I listen to the shit that comes out of their mouth because of the propaganda wars which are being waged to a large degree by the corporate-owned media and to a lesser degree the Government Guild at ABC, you begin to understand how easy it is to influence public opinion on a mass scale. And when you get to the anonymity of the World Wide Web, you can actually see what happens in that situation where nobody has to take personal responsibility. They can do it behind a mask for their opinions and the ideas that they're creating. So... Technology is going to save us? Think twice. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Every dark day has an end. And we are embarking on that journey into darkness. I know it sounds melodramatic, but we are embarking on that journey. And we are the people, that's right, listeners to this program, we are the people will that will turn the lights back on and we will turn those lights back on because we don't blame the victim for the problems that are created we blame the political social and cultural system which creates ever increasing inequality which pauperizes people which pigeonholes people that's what we're about and that's how you shine the light on that darkness. You don't throw up your hands in horror and say, it's all too difficult, it's impossible, it's impossible to fight back. It's not impossible to fight back at this particular point in time in this country. It is possible to fight back against these ideas. It is possible to shine the light in the darkness, but it does take effort and it does take a little bit of courage but it, the main thing is it takes a will. 
to create change. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Now, what's happening to our little things that we're involved in? You know, we're just a speck in the ocean, but we do our best. Firstly, I'd like to thank all those people who turned up last Friday to uh, uh, mark the 100th anniversary of the uh, success of the anti-conscription referendum on the 28th of October 1916. There were about 30, 35 people there. A good crowd for the day. We'll be, you know, apart from a few other little pockets in the rest of Australia, you know, the rest of the country didn't even mention this historic date, didn't even mention the fact or acknowledge the fact that 100 years ago on the 28th of October, the Australian people shone light into the darkness. While men were being sacrificed on the European killing fields, the Australian people said enough is enough. There was a high price to pay, but they paid that price. They got involved in that struggle. They forced the government of the day to hold a plebiscite and they stopped conscription. And by their courageous actions, they prevented another 60,000 young Australians being sacrificed on the European killing fields and another 60,000 dying within 10 years of returning home of their wounds. That is a crowning moment in the Australian historical record. It is a moment that should be celebrated. It's a moment that we should have all been proud of. But apart from a few pockets across the nation which marked this historic day, it was totally ignored. Totally ignored. Like other things that are important in this country's history are totally ignored because they don't suit the current political framework. They don't suit it, so they're ignored. So we celebrate the losses but refuse to acknowledge the victories in this country. So those of you who came on the 28th of uh, October, congratulations. You shone that spotlight into the darkness. Now, how's Defend and Extend Public Housing going? As we said, affordable housing is a right and a privilege. Well, in Victoria, we're involved in a struggle we can't dare to lose. In Victoria, we are involved in a struggle to ensure the Andrews-led Labor government doesn't privatise the majority of public housing. And privatisation where they are going to give away the title, give away the titles of public housing, which has been subsidised through decades of taxation, state-based revenue, decades of taxation and provided a roof over the heads of some of the most vulnerable people in our community, they will now, this is a Labor government, will now give it away give it away to private organisations and these private organisations will have the title and they will be able to buy and sell on the open market. They will be able to introduce contracts to regulate the behaviour of their tenants. They will be able to turn a secure tenancy into an insecure tenancy and the list goes on and on. So Defend and Extend Public Housing has been formed by public interest before corporate interest. We're not the first group that's involved in this campaign. There are many groups, but we were asked to help coordinate this campaign. 
because the Andrews-led Labor government has not made a public announcement at this stage. And they, as I said before, are looking at political suicide. They will be committing political suicide if they go down this pathway. Because already, Victorian Greens hold two seats in the lower house, uh, the seat of Melbourne and the seat of Paran. And those seats were won for active campaigning among ministry tenants in those seats. And the Victorian Labor Party risks losing up to seven inner-city seats if it continues with this madness, because it is madness to place public housing in the hands of private corporations who will use the titles to that housing to promote their interests, not necessarily the interests of their tenants. So we will be holding public rallies on the steps of the Victorian uh, Parliament House. And our next public rally is on Thursday the 10th of November. That's Thursday the 10th of November, between 11.30am to 1.30pm. We already have a number of speakers lined up, but what's important is we need you. We have uh, Alan Sandell, the Greens member, state member for Parliament, Legislative Assembly, will be speaking. We have Councillor Steve Jolly, from uh, the city of Yarra, who's just been re-elected, will be speaking. We will have Councillor Sue Bolton from the city of Moreland, who has just been re-elected. These are radical councillors who have just been re-elected, will be speaking. And we've got another dozen speakers lined up, and we'll let you know about them once they confirm next week. But what we don't have is you. Now, I know many listeners to this program can come to this rally. It will be on a parliamentary sitting day. It is on the steps of Parliament House. It will go from 11.30am to 1.30pm on Thursday the 10th of November and that's in the steps of State Parliament House in Victoria. So I encourage you to come. And if you want to create a defend and extend public housing coordinating group in your state in this country, give me a ring. Give me a ring. 0439 395 Four eight nine, oh four, three nine, three nine five, four eight nine. Give me a ring, and we'll see what's going on. We will help you organise a branch in your state because this is a national struggle. This is a struggle not just about public housing. This is a struggle about housing affordability. Housing affordability. just enough doesn't affect public housing tenants. You privatise public housing, you remove the break on the cost of private rentals and purchasing private homes, not just in Victoria but the rest of Australia. You remove that break and the problem of housing affordability would be compounded. For example, six years ago, 10% of parents assisted children to get into the housing market. Six years later, because of the explosion of in housing prices, mainly due to an investor-led in explosion, 45% of parents are financially assisting children to get into the housing market, whether it's purchasing or renting. And this has a profound impact on superannuation, a profound impact on the country as a whole in the future. So what are they saying about housing affordability? 
what are they saying? And to see a state Labor government go down this pathway is a travesty and a tragedy and it will not occur in our time. Now, on the weekend of the 12th and 13th of uh, November, the state ALP is holding its yearly delegates conference. So we'll have people there. We'll have people there to inform the delegates about what's happening, what their political party is doing, how it's about to blow its brains out politically. This is an insane policy. And in order to ensure that this insane policy is never enacted or even announced, we need as many people as possible on the steps of Parliament House, Thursday the 10th of November, that's the Victorian Parliament House, Thursday the 10th of November, that's in Spring Street in Melbourne, 11.30am to 1.30pm. And if you can't make it on the 10th of November, we have another rally on the steps of Parliament House planned for the last sitting day of the Victorian State Parliament on Thursday the 8th of December. So if you can't make it on the 10th, make it on the 8th. You can go to our web page, defendandextendpublichousing.com. You can go to our Facebook page. Just put Defend and Extend Public Housing Victoria and bingo, it'll be there. If you don't use computers, don't despair. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052 or you can ring us on 0439 395 489. This is Public Interest Not Corporate Interests Initiative. This is an initiative. We have been asked by sections of the public housing uh, groups to coordinate this campaign on their behalf and we are more than happy to coordinate and help organise this campaign because this is the very type of thing that public interest before corporate interest was established to prevent whether it's the privatisation of healthcare, whether it's the privatisation of housing, whether it's the privatisation of what's left of publicly funded assets. This is what we are about. We are about ensuring that public interests are put before corporate interests because when you put corporate interests before public interests, you create the climate which sees the growth of intolerance and fascism in this country. That's what that growth is. When the state absolves itself of its responsibility to look after its citizens and reverts back to its primary function, which is to ensure that those who exercise power continue to exercise power and those who acquire wealth continue to acquire that wealth at the expense of the majority of the community, this is what happens. Increasing inequality, increased dissension, the darkness descends. And if you think this is all very melodramatic, think again. Would we have this debate 40 years ago? No. Would we have had this debate 10 years ago? Possibly. Would it be so powerful in the minds of the community? If, you know, would it be? No. But it is today. Because seeing the state wash its hands, Pontius Pilate-like, of its responsibilities to its citizens, creates the climate which feeds intolerance, 
brings the racists out of the woodwork, brings those people who are you know who think it's what divides us, which uh, you know creates enemies. And the important thing to remember is, real power doesn't lie in Parliament. To a significant degree, it lies in the boardrooms of national and transnational corporations. You know, and obviously people know that they feel that. And when you see things like this happening, the privatisation of public housing in Victoria and New South Wales, where it's occurring ad nauseum as I speak, people begin to think, what's the what's the role of government? What's the point? What's the point? So I encourage you not only to attend the rally on the 10th of November if you're living in Victoria, if you, you know, if you're listening to this program anywhere else in the country, I encourage you to, to uh, form a Defend and Extend Public Housing Group. You don't have to be an anarchist. You don't have to be a liberal or a Califumpian. You just have to be somebody who can actually walk in somebody else's shoes and understands how important it is for social cohesion to have affordable housing, not just in the public housing sector, but in terms of rentals, in terms of people being able to actually enter the market and uh, buy homes at a reasonable price, which is not the situation we find ourselves in. And I'm sick and tired of listening to politicians and corporate gurus and financial advisors saying, leave it to the market, leave it to the market. What's this fucking market? It's nothing. It's a human creation. It's not a divine entity. If you leave it to the market, what actually happens is you leave the market unregulated. What you have is you've you got the cowboys, you've got the financial rip-off merchants who dominate the marketplace, as we've seen in every area where we've seen the privatisation of public assets. And you see what happens when you leave it to the marketplace. The rich get richer, the poorer get poorer. The poorer then blame the other for their problem. Intolerance grow and fascism f- flourishes. So if you want to join public interest before corporate interest, we're looking for people who basically you can be, we, we prefer you to be on the electoral roll. If you're not on the electoral roll, we're still happy to have your membership. But the important thing is we need members to register public interest as a, before corporate interest as a political party sometime next year. We need new members. And if you think... It's impossible. Think about the current political representation in this country. Think about how they, those who preach intolerance now have such a significant role in formulating policy in this country. Think about it, and we can do the same thing. It takes a little bit of courage, but more importantly, it takes will. The will, that change is needs to occur. It's about hope and hope is the love child of desire and expectation, the desire that change will occur and the expectation that change must occur. And when you lose hope, you lose everything because you let the waves roll over you and drown in a cesspool of intolerance. You listen to the Anarchist World this week. Look, you can ring me, 0439 395 489. Leave a message. I'll try to get back to you in the next day or so. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. You can go to my personal pay- Facebook page. Become a friend. I like the page. They tell me it's useful. It's Toscana, the number for the public. Toscana for the public. Toscana for the public. 
Think about it. Go to the Defend and Extend Public Housing website. DefendandExtendPublicHousing.com Go to the Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing Victoria. Go to the Pipsy page, Pipsy, P-I-B-C-I, P-I-B-C-I, dot net. Download the application form. Haven't got a computer? Can't download it? Don't despair? Give us a ring, 0439 395 489. Leave a name and contact address and I'll mail the material out to you. Think about it. Haven't got a phone? Write to us, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, and we'll send you our new application, an application form to join public interest before corporate interest. Public interest before corporate interest is has three distinct functions. Three distinct functions. We're involved. We will be once we're registered as a political party. We'll be involved in electoral politics, both at the state and federal level, possibly even local council. Standing candidates. State elections, local elections, and federal elections. We're also, we also promote non-violent direct action, protests, vigils, pet- petitions, strikes, and occupations. And we also promote community boycotts to put public interest before corporate interest. So currently, our work to act as a coordinating vehicle for defend and extend public housing is part of our direct action arm. If you want to be part of the political arm, standing candidates, become a member. Now, listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Now, we had a number of technical issues at the beginning of the program. Hopefully, you are now uh, listening to the program without any technical issues, and hopefully this program has been picked up by the Community Radio Network. All right, let's move on. Now, a few things we organise. Now, see, look, we use history and promote history, historical events, not because we want to recreate the past, not because we're in love with the past, but, we, but because we believe that the lessons of the past have a significant impact on what's happening today and what cap- happened today. On Sunday, the 13th of November, that's uh, two days after Armistice Day, which is the 11th of November, at 10am, the Anarchist Institute once again has organised a gathering of people at Murchison Cemetery. Murchison, M-U-R-C-H-I-S-O-N. And if you're wondering, it's actually Willoughby Street in Murchison. And if you're wondering where Murchison is, it's not far from Shepparton. Not far from Shepparton. Not far from Nagambi. So it's about 150 kilometres from the city of Melbourne. And so why would we gather at 10am on Sunday the 13th of November at Murchison Cemetery? Is it because we're having our late Halloween celebrations? No, no. On a more important level, we are paying our respects to Francesco Fantine. Francesco Fantine was an anarchist who was murdered at Camp Loveday by Italian fascists in 1942, and Camp Loveday was in South Australia. Francesco Fantine was an anarchist, an atheist, an anti-fascist and an anti-militarist. The bones of Francesco and over 220 
Italian prisoners of war and internees who died in Australian camps during the Second World War are deposited in an Italian war cemetery at Murchison in Victoria. Only, only on the first Sunday after Armistice Day, which it's the 13th of November this year, is the crypt open to mourners. And there are many people there, not just, you know, a dozen or two dozen anarchists or people who were interested in the life of Francesco Fantini, want to learn the lessons of the life of Francesco Fantini, which I'll talk about in a minute. But there are people from all walks of life who are there to honour their dead, who are there to honour people who are interned in that ossuary. And it's open one day a year. And we go there at 10 o'clock so we can actually pay our respects to Francesco Fantini and then we wait for two hours while there's a, you know, this is an Italian war cemetery, as I said before. While there is the, there are the official things, there's a Catholic mass, we wait respectfully till it's all finished. And two hours later at midday, when it's finished, when they finish their mourning, they finish their, their uh, what they need to do, we unfurl the banner to Francesco Fantine and we mark his death. So who was Francesco Fantine? Why do we bother? Why do we bother regarding the billions of people that have died on this planet in the last, you know, in the last few centuries? Why? Francesco Fantine immigrated to Australia in 1924. The young anarchist fled Italy two years after Mussolini's fascist seized power in 1922. Because this is what happens when fascists seize power. This is what happens when fascism grows in a society. Those that oppose it are either jailed, murdered or flee. And the same thing could happen in this country. I know it sounds ridiculous. But look at the rhetoric. Look at the rhetoric. Look what's happening in the United States of America during the current... uh, Election campaign. Listen to the rhetoric. It's the rhetoric of intolerance. This young man was forced to flee Italy two years after Mussolini seized power in order to protect his life. Fearing for his life, he fled to Australia. And again, when he came to Australia, we had the same... At least he was accepted as a refugee. Thousands of Italian radical activists who were forced to leave Italy to survive came to this country and in the 20s were accepted as refugees. They weren't accepted open-armed, but they were accepted. They weren't put on Nauru, they weren't put on Manus Island. At least the people 100 years ago who had experienced the brutality of World War I understood that people needed to flee and they are willing to open up this country to this young refugee and his friends. Unlike most refugees, Francesco Fantine, being an anti-fascist, became active in the anti-fascist movement in Australia in the 1920s, and there was a growing fascist movement in Australia, not just in Italy, or Germany, or Britain, or Spain, 
but it was in this cancer was spreading across the land. And Francesco Fantine understood. He understood in his bones. They understood because of their personal experience that the same thing could happen in this country. And although they were refugees, they threw themselves into political activity. And with the aid of Francesco Camagnola and Vettelino Cicotti, they opened the Matteotti Club in the Horticultural Hall in Victoria Parade, Melbourne. If you wonder where that is, it's directly across the road from Melbourne Trades Hall. And they rented that building because they wanted to form links with the trade union movement in this country. They wanted to form links with radical activists who are active in Australia in the 1920s because they understood they needed to educate people about the dangers of fascism growing. And they called it the Matteotti Club because Matteotti was a parliamentarian killed by Mussolini's fascists in Italy. When the club closed as a consequence of the Depression, Francesco Fantine moved to North Queensland, working on farms and sawmills as a labourer. He continued to identify as an anarchist, and with the help of other Italian anti-fascists, he made life difficult for fascist officials in Australia who were trying to recruit Italians living in Australia into their ranks. Mussolini sent across doctors to North Queensland, who set up clinics. Mussolini gave money to expand the fascist movement in Australia. And these Italian anarchists resisted, resisted that push. And they resisted that push in a relatively hostile environment where people didn't seem to understand what was happening around them. I'll give you a personal example. I think I must have been about four or five, must have been the mid-50s. And I remember going with my parents and sisters to a little shop in the valley in Brisbane. And it was a gathering place for Italians. I think they actually had a gelato machine or something. And the big thing was, you know, you'd go there on Sunday and get a gelato. That was the big, the big, big reward for, you know, for existing and I remember one day this fancy gentleman came in, fancy for a little fancy walking stick and a fancy coat and fancy pants, and a coin fell out of his pocket in front of me. And I must have been about five, and I picked up the coin and I held it up to him. And he said, oh, you keep it, son, you keep it. You know, he big-noted himself, big man big man, making sure that this coin, I think it was two shillings, whatever it was, or a shilling, you know, let the boy have it. Let the boy have it. Now, many years ago when I was researching, about a decade ago when I started my research into Francesco Fantine, I found out that Dr Castellani, the man who refused to bend down to pick up the coin that had come out of his pocket and allowed and was gracious enough to give me the coin, to show what a big man he was, Dr Castellani was one of the doctors who Mussolini sent across to Australia in the 1920s to set up medical clinics for Italian migrants in order to recruit them into the fascist movement. Isn't that fascinating? 
And 60 years later, we find ourselves in the same situation with the outbreak of intolerance which we are seeing in this country. The outbreak of World War II resulted in the internment of Italian fascist sympathisers and Nazi sympathisers. Fair enough. The racism endemic in Australia in the 1940s meant that nearly every Italian migrant was considered to be a fascist. From a population of just 30,000, 5,000 Italians were interned during the war, another 10,000 were removed from their homes and forced to work on government construction jobs. The highest rate of internment of Italians anywhere among the Allies. Now, Francesco Fantin, who had spent all his life fighting fascism, who had been in this country for 18 years fighting fascism, been involved in direct action across the country in North Queensland and Victoria to fight this plague, was arrested as an enemy alien in February at Edmonton outside Cairns and and placed in Camp Love Day in South Australia on the 28th of February 1942. And what did they do? Well, they all look the same, Italians, don't they? So 350 Italian anti-fascists, over 350 Italian anti-fascists, were interned with about 60 Italian... Sorry, over, over 350 Italian fascists were in turn with about 60 Italian anti-fascists. Fantine had been a fawn in the fascist movement in this country for years. And when he arrived in the camp, he was marked for special attentions. He was regularly attacked and beaten for his anti-fascist views. He was attacked and beaten because he refused to honour Il Dulce. Mussolini. And this was happening while they were being guarded by Australian troops. On the 16th of November 1942, while stooping down to get a drink from a tap, Fantine was beaten from behind by a man wielding a 4B2B2. When he fell to the ground, the beating continued. He died several hours later of his injuries. Giovanni Cazzotti was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to two years' imprisonment for Fantine's murder. Fantine's body was buried in a grave outside Camp Loveday. And if you go to the Fantine website, yes, we do have a website, and it's Q7461, Fantine, F-A-N-T-I-N dot org, Q7461, Fantine, F-A-N... TIN.org, you'll see a picture and you'll see three graves outside Camp Love Day. And the first grave, there's a cross. The second grave, there's a triangle. The next grave, there's a cross. As an atheist, at least he was given the dignity of not having a cross put over his grave. Quite a striking black and white feature. Go to Q7461. And why is Q7461? That was his uh, prison number, internment number. Q7461, Fantine, F-A-N-T-I-N dot org. Or go to my Facebook page or the Anarchist Media Institute Facebook page, or the Anarchist Media Institute web page, anarchistmedia.org. 
or Toscana for the public, and uh, you can uh, get this material. In the mid-60s, his body, with the bodies of other Italian prisoners of war and internees who had died in, in Australia during World War II, were disinterred, disinterred and placed in an ostery at Murchison in Victoria. Each individual has their own individual grave in that ostery. Fantine had no children. His two brothers, Alfonso and Luigi, are long gone. His only living relative, Mrs. Ines Gavioli, is dead. We remember him. Fantine was described by his family and friends and his political colleagues as a kind, rigorous, restless, gentle, but determined human being. And we remember him, not just for the sake of remembering Francesco Fantine. We remember him because of the consequences of the rise of intolerance in our society. We remember him and he's becoming more and more important in the history of this country. We remember him because of the impact growing racism and intolerance is having on the political process and, more importantly, the mindset of so many Australians in this country who think the other is the problem, the person of a different religious belief or no religious belief, the person of a different sexual orientation, the person of a different culture, the person who speaks a different language, the person of a different racial origin, the person who's a refugee. It's always the other which is the problem. And when this festers and grow, we see the growth of intolerance, which is institutionalised in laws, which create, which create the fascist mentality, which create social and political structures which allow some of the most horrendous crimes like the final solution to occur in the name of ideology. And that's why we remember Francesco Fantini. Not because of the man, although we honour the man and pay our respects to the man, but because of the ramifications the practical ramifications of what happens in a society when intolerance grows and that intolerance becomes incorporated in the political processes. That's what this is about. It's not the other that's at fault, as we see with the public housing struggle, as we see with public interest before corporate interest, as we see with many of the other activities we're involved in. It's that intolerance. It is that intolerance which creates the breeding ground for the rise of a political movement which excludes all other. ISIS, or ISIL, whatever they like to call themselves, or Daesh, is the manifestation of that very same intolerance. So we remember Francesco Fantine for that reason. I'll mention him next week. Put it in your diary. Nice day trip to Murchison, get there at 10am and then at midday we flock down to the river at Murchison and have a picnic with everybody else. It's fascinating. You know, all the people who turn up um, sit together, have a joint picnic, bring food and drinks on the day. 
bring food and drinks. So go q7461fantine.org. Don't forget, don't forget the Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations, which have been hosted by the Anarchist Institute, which will happen from 4 a.m. to 10 p.m. on Saturday. Yes, right, Saturday. No excuse for not coming. On the 3rd of December to mark the 162nd anniversary of the Eureka Rebellion at the Eureka Stockade site at the corner of Eureka and stall on Eureka Street. There's the Eureka Dinner, there's the opening ceremony, there's the walk, Australia Day medals, light lunch, and goes on and on. And I'll speak more about that as a bit closer. I may speak more about this next week. So join us. You want to get the program? Go to the website anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org. It should be up in the next few days, anarchistmedia.org. Join us for the Eureka celebrations, which we've been holding since 2002. That's right, since 2002. And this year's Eureka Dinner, our special guest will be uh, Dr. Anne Beggs-Sunter, a lecturer in history at Federation University, and she'll be speaking about... Evelyn Healy, an unheralded Eureka champion. Okay, so to book the dinner, 20 bucks, Indian Smorgasbord, 20 bucks, Indian Smorgasbord at Ballarat's Indian Restaurant. To book a, a seat, 0439 395 489 or uh, anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My apologies for the technical problems at the beginning of the program. They're there to make us better people. That's what it is. It makes us better people and better broadcasters. Those websites, anarchistmedia.org, Defend and Extend Public Housing, um, Pibsi.net, P-I-B-C-I, public interest before corporate interests. And the list goes on and on. My personal Facebook page, Toscano for the public. And I now have thousands of friends. Maybe I'll ask them for some money. Isn't that what your friends are for? But come along, Toscano for the public. Don't forget, and also the Francesco Fantine webpage, Q, small Q, Q7461. Fantine.org. You can ring me on 0439 395 489. Write to me at Anarchist at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week on your local community radio station. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Wash my hands. Oh, Lord, yeah.